I think it was a good song to just end on, Lord, have your way with us. That's uh, Phyllis and I's heart desire this morning. Um, as Pastor Brian asked us to come and share this morning, uh, we felt quite inadequate. Um, I don't know if it's a good idea to take a couple who can't even finish some Ikea furniture together um, <laughs> and have them up here talking about uh, marriage, um, but there's a lot of things we've learned from God's Word that we think really have a lot to offer everyone. The other thing I want to mention was just that... Um, this, this message is not just about marriage, it's about relationships. Because there's people here today who maybe have lost a spouse, who are divorced, who are single, who are students, and you may think, what does marriage have to do with me? Uh, I know my fifth grade in the back is thinking he's going to be bored and confused, but um, I think relationships are something that are really important to all of us, and we would love to know how to have more better relationships and build better relationships. And the last thing is, um, mechanically today, this is going to be a little different uh, usually, Pastor Brian's up here, I'm up here, or Chick or Scott or someone's up here. Today, there's two people up here, and so it's going to be a little bit like riding, riding a tandem bicycle, okay? So um, those of you who do that, it's a little awkward to see people do that, and you're wondering how it happens. So mechanically, um, I, you know, I don't know who's going to be in the front or the back. It's not so important, but there'll be periods where I will be pedaling here this morning, and then I will put my feet up, and then Phyllis will be pedaling, and then <laughs> she'll put her feet up, and so we'll be kind of going back and forth. So I ask that you'll be patient with that flow. It won't be as smooth as just one person being up here the whole time. Um, so the theme of the series, you know, as, as mentioned earlier, as Chick was praying, it's just we're in this series called Restored. And Pastor Brian mentioned that there's really the theme of the series is there's nothing in your life that God can't restore. Last week, Pastor Brian kicked off the series describing restoration as a process of bringing something back to what it was meant to be. He shared with us from Isaiah chapter 51 about how restoration is a person, and that person is Jesus. He declared how Jesus is the one who restores our relationship with God, and it's often referred to as our vertical relationship. That's really what we see here. And then this week, really what we're talking about is how Jesus is the one who's going to restore not just that relationship, but he also restores our horizontal relationships, the ones that we have between each other. And in particular, we'll look at some of what he has to say about a husband and wife. But again, this is applicable to all relationships that we have, particularly those that are closest to us. And that's really what we're seeking in life often. We're looking to learn more about how we can have better relationships with those who are closest to us because um, we just think it'll help us. So I thought we'd just start with some ideas that people hear about marriage, okay? One of them is, man is incomplete until he is married, then he is finished. <laughs> <laughs> marriage is when a man and a woman become as one. The trouble starts when they try to decide which one. <laughs> and then the one that, we, uh, that I like to say most often is, you know, a man marries a woman, hoping, praying to God she's never going to change. And a woman marries a man, praying to God that he will change, and she's confident that she is the agent of change in his life. Okay, so these are some things that we experience and we hear as we go around. But really what the last one I just want to say is, is that there's another one. It's a quote, and that is, the secret of a happy marriage remains a secret. And I'm here to tell you that that's wrong. That's not what God's words has to say. The good news is that God is the one who invented marriage invented these close relationships we have, and he has intentions for those relationships and instructions for those relationships that we can look at together today. So we're going to look at God's Word. We're going to be looking at Jesus' teaching about marriage as, and his, God's design for our relationships and the healthy patterns he wants us to have, and that's found in Matthew chapter 19. So if you, want to, if you have a Bible app or if you have a Bible with you, we're going to put it up on the screen so you can follow along. Okay, and I will... So when you're ready, we're going to read from verse 1 through verse 6. 
When Jesus had finished saying these things, he left Galilee and went into the region of Judea to the other side of the Jordan. Large crowds followed him, and he healed them there. Some Pharisees came to him to test him. They asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the creator made them male and female and said, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. So we're going to look at these verses that Jesus had and to see what he has to say about kind of God's design for relationships. Verse 1 and 2 set the stage where Jesus is going to the region of Galilee, followed by these crowds. And what's interesting is you'll see that he's healing people. He's healing their physical bodies. And then in verse 3, we have this transition where these Pharisees come to him and they seek to really put him in a bad light. And for those of you who are familiar with Pharisees, that was some of their intentions. They didn't want people following Jesus, but instead they wanted to turn people back to following them. So they were seeking to corner him on a sensitive subject and have his response, have people really be, you know, stop following him. The words that they used here are very interesting ones because this idea of divorce was really one that meant to kind of dismiss from the house. It's a sense of rejecting someone, renouncing your allegiance to them. I'm no longer connected to them. We would use the words today in our culture about turning your back on someone or washing your hands of someone. In this passage, we see that Jesus is not just a healer of people's bodies, but also he is the restorer of people's relationships. That's what's neat, that these are back-to-back, just something, an observation we wanted to bring up. Jesus makes it clear to them in this passage, how Pastor Brian shared last week, that he is the one who's going to restore relationships. Jesus puts in plain words to these religious leaders plus his disciples who were listening at this time, plus the whole crowd of people who are there, starting in verse 4, the plan and pattern that God has for marriage from the beginning. In verse 4 through verse 6, Jesus quotes two, has two quotes from the book of Genesis. First from verse 4, which is from Genesis 1.27, and then again in verse 5 from Genesis 2.24. In verse 4, he says, Haven't you read that, he replied, that from the beginning the Creator made them male and female? Now, what's neat about this is that these terms that he uses here, this idea of making something, he made them, is actually the word that's used to form or shape or transform something into something different it wasn't before. So he took, as we know, the clay, and he made Adam, and he took the rib, made Eve, but he made them into things that bore his resemblance. So this was his design from the beginning, is to make these two things in his image, these two beautiful things. And then in verse 5 and 6, Jesus continues, said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh so that they are no longer two but one flesh therefore what is god has joined together let no one separate so here jesus is focused on the design for unity there's a sense of unity between them now what's interesting is um in these verses i just want to read the verses again because i want to pause because when we read jesus's words unfortunately we don't get how loud he was talking how often he was pausing maybe if he emphasized something what tone, volume, but I'm just going to take some conjecture here, and I'm going to read these verses again and watch what I do. For this reason, a man, and a man will leave his father and mother and will be united to his wife. The two will become one flesh. They are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. 
be united, become one, one flesh, join together. Jesus is highlighting here unity, being together. And what's interesting is, is that this idea that united first mentioned in verse 5 actually comes from a term that means to glue things together, okay? And it's actually a passive term. Those of you who are familiar with the language, it's actually something that you do. It's not something that's done to you. It's something that you do, a passive reflexive, where it brings it in and that we do it to ourselves. I choose to join myself to you. I choose to fasten myself to you. I choose to be connected to you. And it's often referred to as a marital bond. So there's an object lesson we want to do. Okay, so hold up. Just so to demonstrate this. Here we have two pieces of construction paper that are glued together, and they represent how we are glued together when we get married. And this is God's design. He says the two, so here we have pink and purple, become one flesh. I want to note, though, these are still the same, uh, two distinct colors, right? You still have two distinct human beings, but they're glued together as one flesh in God's eyes. So there's some people who are in relationships where one person decides to pull away. Um, and it can be very destructive. And I just want to give an example. So this is how people look when they get married. Okay? And then this happens. And they separate from one another. And things rip and tear. And it becomes destructive. And it's almost impossible. And, and it's ugly and, and sad. And this is, these two people will never be like they were when they first got married. And which is why separation can be so painful. But this can also happen when you're married. Here's another couple. This is green and orange. <laughs> and sometimes when you're in a marriage, you can, you're still married. You're still going about life together. But you can have times where you're pulling away from one another. And you're starting to feel kind of disconnected. And this is maybe an example of how it looks. Um, it, can, it can also look ugly and it can hurt. And it can go on for a long time. But the neat thing is God can do a work to restore it. He can take glue. He can give you a renewed sense of commitment. He can re-glue that, and he can restore what once was broken. The other example I wanted to give is, you know, we are glued together, but there's, there's gaps in here. Like, I could put my finger in various spots along this place. There are places where we're not united. We're not connecting. We're not talking. We're kind of living separately, even though we're married. And these are more the smaller issues of daily life and marriage. And again, you come to God and ask him, what is that glue that we need to fix that spot, to repair this open space over here, to keep us from, um, from becoming further apart, but rather closer together is the goal. So, so I, um, I just wanted to connect us with a quote that some of us heard. A couple years ago, we, at church here, we did a one-day seminar on marriage, and it's called I Still Do, We Still Do. This is for couples who have been married a number of years and wanted to kind of recommit themselves to each other. And there was this quote that has totally stuck with me and Steve all those years. And I wanted to read it to you because it really emphasizes what I just tried to uh, illustrate with that object lesson. It's a man named Alistair Begg, and he puts it this way. Having been declared husband and wife, the couple is now stuck. And we usually use that term negatively, but he uses it positively. You can't go out the way you came in. You just can't. This is marriage. This is saying I am purposefully, wonderfully, gloriously, intimately, dutifully, legally, personally, durably, unconditionally, affectionately stuck with you. So 
But I think we can agree that God has a design for a husband and wife to be stuck to each other and to be better together. It also applies to our close-knit friendships that we have with one another. We are better together. That we is better than me. God designed us for close spiritual friendships, even more so in marriage, to people to be joined together so that you have somebody to journey with, somebody who can encourage you to become more the person God wants you to be. Proverbs 27, 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. In verse 6, Jesus continues and says, they are no longer two, but one flesh. Now, this idea of no longer that he used means no more, no further, and we often hear it at weddings where they say, from this day forward. Jesus explains how they're no longer designed to be separate as two, but they're now designed to be together as one, on this side of heaven, and as we often hear, until death do us part. Paul uses these words actually in Ephesians 5.31. He has the same thing when he talks about, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. Jesus is finished with saying, therefore what God has joined together, let no one separate. And this therefore that he used, that's really the way that he says, let me connect some dots for you. If God put these things together, so if God is connected and intends it to be together, no one should take it apart. Now, the idea of joined together here refers to this connecting of people for one purpose. The term is used exclusively for marriage in the New Testament. It's a union in which a husband and wife live better together for the Lord than they would do on their own. And that's how God designed all of our relationships to be, that we're better together than we would be on our own. The idea of separate here, when he says let no one separate, refers to one person actually putting room between them and another person. It's actually where one person actually vacates the relationship either with their body or their soul or with both. We often think sometimes when, when separation happens in a relationship as if there's like a third party that comes in between. Oh, the kid's gotten away or a friend or even an affair. But that's really not the case. What, what Jesus is talking about here is let no one, let none of you pull away. Let none of you separate away from the relationship that I designed for you to have. And what's neat is, is that there's a positive part of this on the other side. Why is it supposed to be that way? Because God designed his relationship with us to be that way, as Pastor Brian talked about last week. This same word for separate is used in a very familiar passage that I want to read for you. And notice it. I'm going to pause when we see it. It's from Romans chapter 8, verses 35, and then I'll skip to verse 39. It says, who shall separate us? That same word separate is pull away. Who shall pull us away from the love of Christ? Beth, sorry. It's fine. Um, I'll start that over. So in Romans 8, starting in 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall hardship or trouble or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors to him who loved us. Keep listening. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God never pulls away from us. Nothing can separate us from his love. The love of, of God that is in Christ Jesus is the model of love we're intended to have for each other. So how do we apply these things? When we look at Jesus' teaching, it just feels kind of overwhelming at times. But what's neat is it happens in small little ways. The words of Jesus from Matthew are very familiar to us. We often hear them at, in weddings, right, uh, by ministers when they give the couples their charge, right? 
But for those of us who are married, quite often when we go to a wedding, why, how do you feel? You have this kind of rekindling or warm feeling. Or those of us who are not married, you go to a wedding, it's just, just so nice to look at the couple, right? You're like, oh, right? <laughs> why does that happen? Why is this so? Why is it when we see a couple getting married, why does this genuine marital love move our hearts? It's because it awakens for us the memory of the only thing that really nourishes our soul and our heart, and that is the love that God has for us in Jesus. We are first made to receive God's love, and then we're meant to pour it out to others. When we see this happening in marriage, a relationship perfectly suited for giving to each other the love that Christ has and ministers to us. God designed marriage to be a reflection of the saving love he has for us in Jesus Christ. That's why the gospel helps us understand marriage, and marriage helps us to understand the gospel. That's why the Bible calls those of us who receive Jesus' work in our life on the cross the bride of Christ. There's an imagery that's used there. And so our hearts today is if you're here today and you've never experienced that love of God, if you've never received Jesus Christ as your Savior, then may your eyes be opened and your heart be opened and today be that day. May you receive this love that, that God has for you in Christ Jesus. Now, for those of us who have received that love, how do we restore our marriages? How do we restore our relationships? So restoring our relationships in our, in our relationships in our marriage and our relationships with others starts by having God's perspective. What is God's perspective on relationships? It starts with seeing our spouse as God sees them. However, as we journey through life as a married couple, many times we don't feel that way. We don't feel very united or together. We feel like we're on different teams. We often feel like maybe the other person is the enemy. Some of you may be even at that point right now where you may be willing to throw in the proverbial towel. Those are the wrestlers. End of the, <laughs> end of the match. We're done. But today, we want to encourage you to avoid doing so. We want you to decide that marriage and the special relationship we have are worth fighting for. It's worth it. So even though Phyllis and I feel quite inadequate being up here, we've been married 30 years this year, and we can tell you that it's worth it. Um, we don't always get the IKEA furniture put together, but... Um, <laughs> without some squabbles or challenges, but we can tell I you I end up doing it just something. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Play to their strengths, okay? <laughs> so anyway, so... So um, I just want to reemphasize what Steve said, that this has really been a thought on my mind for a number of months now. Is, and it, it sounds so simple and it sounds silly, but we live this way sometimes. Our spouse is not our enemy. They're really not. Who is our enemy then? Ephesians 6, 12 says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's, our struggles aren't against our spouse per se, but against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So our real enemy is not of this world. It's Satan. And you know what he does? He takes great delight in trying to pull apart what God has put together. So he's the one who destroys the unity between us, and we allow him to. Jesus, though, is the one who creates that unity, the one who can restore that unity if it's broken. So I want to say, I think fighting in marriage is good, but it's fighting for your marriage together and fighting against the things that come to endanger it. So fighting is good, but it's got to be the right kind of fighting, fighting together as a couple to fight against the things that come to endanger your marriage. So how do we do that? How do we fight for our marriages? Well, the first thing we do is we need to basically have God's priorities. 
that we can't restore our marriages and restore these close relationships with that with other without getting God's priorities. Most of us have a lot going on in our lives, especially those of us who are parents. We are crazy busy. How many of us, I won't ask for a raise of hand, say, I'm too busy? We've all heard it. We've all said it. Sometimes being busy just seems the theme of our lives. Yes, this pace poses a serious threat to our close relationships. Despite our business, we have to put our relationships, in this case with our spouse or any other earthly relationship we have, as a top priority. And in a way that nobody else, everyone else knows that that's the case. I call it our calendar collisions. So there's times where two things come up, and we have to make a choice about what's most important to us. And Phyllis is going to tell a recent story. So back in the fall, we decided to let our youngest son, Josiah, who's up there um, with the head thing on. So we decided to let him try wrestling. None of our kids have ever done wrestling before. So it was a brand new experience for us as parents. We didn't even know how a match worked. We didn't know anything. And so he's like, yeah, I'll give it a try. And he had been going to practices. And then we learned that his very first match was on the weekend that we had planned to go away for our anniversary. We're like, oh. And then we're like, should we adjust it? Should we, like, cut the weekend short so we could go to his first match? I think he'll be really sad we're not there. And I remember really wrestling with that. And our conclusion was his grandmother can take him. Kids will take a video, and they can send it to us. And he just needs to understand this is something Daddy and I do to keep our marriage fresh. So that's what we ended up doing. And I just remember kind of wrestling with that. And then this is a picture of when we did go away, and um, we did stick with our original um, schedule of what we had hoped to do. So that's just a small example, but these come up all the time. And it doesn't mean every single time you make that choice, but you have to make it frequently enough that your kids see that you are prioritizing your, your marriage. Yeah, in other words, they need to expect what choice you're going to make and then be pleasantly surprised maybe if you make some adjustments. Yeah. And it really comes down to how important is your marriage in God's eyes? If you thought about God's perspective and how he views this relationship, how important do you think it is? And then how important does that become in your calendar and in your schedule? For those of us who are parents, we fight against allowing our kids' schedules continually be an impediment to us connecting. I want us to make conscious choices that while our kids need encouragement and support, there will be times where they will be disappointed that we can't be there for them for everything as much as we'd like to be. And I think sometimes we're afraid to disappoint our kids and more willing to disappoint our spouses, and more importantly, God's view of our marriage. It's hard. It's hard. But I want to tell you that we tell our kids that we love them so much, but that our relationship to each other is always going to be number one. Lord willing, most of them will move out of our house, right? <laughs> and then all we're going to have left is us. And we have a variety of uh, acquaintances and others. Did you say most? Yeah, well, no. all. All. <laughs> I said, Lord willing, all. But really, that's the challenge, right? When we allow these other relationships to creep in, it really affects the level of closeness and connectedness that we can have. But what I want to encourage you, as you make those choices, what it does is it takes away worry and anxiety for your children, those of us who are parents, because they worry about mom and dad, and they don't always tell you about that. But when you make these choices and they see that you're good, then they feel very comfortable and safe at home, and home becomes a safe, secure place for them. But we don't see mom and dad connecting as much. They begin to have question marks and worry, even though they might not tell you. So what we want to do is just 
give you some ways that you can do this, a couple practical examples, okay? So one of them is have minutes, okay? Now, I didn't say have hours, have days. I said have minutes. Have minutes means set aside each day just a few minutes for the two of you. Take a period of time where you maybe, in recent years, we've started taking walks around the neighborhood, okay? When the kids were younger, we went, waited until they went to bed, and we actually had a conversation before we watched television or before we went and did something separately. We actually talked. Didn't have to be long. I mean, you know, the, the, the words, the number of words each gender uses is different, okay? But we talked. He uses more than that. <laughs> That's not typical, but. So, however, like any couple, there's times where we get too busy, we don't set aside this time, and then we feel less connected. And really, the way that it is, it's almost like a gas gauge that gets on empty right? And we see these signs, you see the yellow light go on, and you know you got to get some gas, and there's times where you just let it go empty. And then you really need more help. That's much more than you needed to had you gotten it replenished at that period of time. So in addition to having minutes, the other thing I want you to have is memories. Be intentional about doing things together just as a couple, going on a date, even going away overnight just as a couple. When was the last date you were on? When was the last time you even had one night away, just the two of you? It's important to know that, so I, I just want to pause there for a second. It's not just about calendaring. It's not just about choices, but realistically, it's about everyday choices. So how do those everyday choices happen? We can't live according to God's priorities without God's power. It's important to know that restoring our relationships and restoring our relationship to those who are close to us is done only by having the power of God in our lives. Making your relationships high priority without having that power ends up with repeated failed attempts without any sustained marked progress and, as you can imagine, a lot of frustration and tension in a relationship. So if you try to just, okay, we just need to do this. No, you don't need to do this. You need to have God's power work inside you. It's the power of God that's working inside our hearts that allows this to happen. That's where we'll see the improvement. God gives me and us the wisdom to know what to do in our relationship, how to honor him, and then gives us the strength to do it. That's really what we want. What do I do? And he gives me strength to do it. So if you're looking for wisdom on how to do this, God's spirit will give it to you. If you're looking for desire and discipline to follow through with that, God's spirit will give it to you. And really, let me, let me just kind of give you another example of how this works to stay connected and close. Um, in our relationship, I found that when God's Spirit starts to work in me, there's sometimes where, you know, I, Phil will let me know that there's something I've said or done that has been hurtful. And there's times where I'm confused. I don't understand how what I said or did could really be hurtful. How, what's so hurtful about that? But as I allow God's Spirit to show me things, and allow God's spirit to give me humility and desire and discipline, I will come to her, I will understand those things, and I will ask her to forgive me. And what happens is, is that I offer Phyllis the opportunity to be most like God when she forgives me. And when she comes to me in my relationship with her and asks to be forgiven, I am most like God when I forgive her. So this closeness just isn't about calendars. It's about communication and connecting in ways where it's humility. So I just want to encourage us that it's not just about getting your priorities straight and getting your calendar realigned so you can spend time together. It's about that dynamic between the two of you where God's Spirit will work the most. He will show you areas in your life 
that will work out. And there's a quote I think you wanted to share from the ladies' Bible study. Yeah, I think this struck me, when, um, those of you who are in the Thursday morning Bible study, but um, it was more talking about our lives in general, but I think it really applies to marriages as well. Um, and it says, life is amazing. Then it's awful. <laughs> and then it's amazing again. <laughs> Breathe in the amazing, hold on through the awful, and relax and exhale during the ordinary. That's just living heartbreaking, soul-healing, amazing, awful, ordinary life. And it's breathtakingly beautiful. And I think that really describes marriage well. You right. will definitely have your ups and downs, but which direction are you generally heading in? Right. And, Walter, if you go back one slide, I skipped one. It was important. So how this does, this is what Brian, Pastor Brian mentioned last week, that restoration is a process, and that's in the vertical relationship. But restoration is also a process in the horizontal relationship. And so that's what I wanted to highlight. It's kind of this day in and day out, developing a healthy relationship with God, as he highlighted. And then what we're talking about is day in and day out, developing healthy relationships with each other. Mm-hmm. So we, as we think about how this is a process, it's helpful to remember the adage, three steps forward and two steps back. So recently, back, uh, I guess just a month ago, <laughs> it feels like ages ago, we went on a marriage retreat, went away for a conference, and it was amazing. We, we connected. We had awesome conversations. It was wonderful. We were unified. Well, let me say, after being back about a day, <laughs> press of life comes in, stress comes, conflict comes, unexpected issues come, and you're like, oh, my God, was it a total waste of time that we just went away? So that is being based on your feelings. Okay, I felt this way when I went away, and now I feel this way, and it's probably a waste of time. But that's just, that's feeling. That's not a fact. The fact is we had these conversations. The fact is we made some good decisions. The fact is we connected on a deeper level than we normally would have had we not gone away. So I just... So just keep your expectations realistic. Okay, you're going to have these moments, and I can't wait. I'm planning this time out with my spouse, and maybe it won't go quite the way you want. But that's okay. Again, it's three steps forward, two steps back, but you're ultimately heading in the, the right direction of being more united with one another. Yeah, so marriage is that daily relationship with its ups and downs and everything in between. And the same is true for other relationships that we have, the people that we're close to. We have ups and downs and things in between. However, what God wants us to remind us is that he's at work in us, and he wants to work, as I mentioned, with God's spirit. Here's the hard part is he's going to work in your life first. Okay, So you need to let him work in your life and show you the things that he wants you to think, say, and do, and not be that agent of change from both sides. Okay, Let him work in her life. Let him work in his life on his own pace, on his own cadence, with his own whispering and his own voice. As we focus on ourselves and what God is asking us to change, prior to pointing out what needs to change in our spouse's life, we take responsibility and own the parts of the challenge that belong to us. So to conclude, really what we want to do is, is that God is in the process of restoring us to himself. He's also in the process of restoring our relationships with each other. He is the one who joins us together, and in him we stay together. As we stay together, we're better together. Let's pray. So God, I thank you for this opportunity just to give a really a kind of an inch deep to a mile wide topic of really the things that you have in your word about marriage and the relationships. Lord, I thank you how you've been at work and Phyllis in my life for 30 years, just joining us together and helping us to learn more about who we are and, and encouraging and equipping each other in our journey with you. Lord, we want to have your perspective this morning. 
Lord, we want to have your priorities this morning. Lord, give us your power to allow you to work your process in our relationship today and this day forward. In your name, amen.